truth by firelight. From Flashbangs and Frag Grenades. By Calchexis. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on League of Legends by Riot Games. Chapter 4 Blood and pipes. Luck started, then pitched down, tore the mask from her face, and was violently sick across the metal plating she'd been standing on. Jinx, four o'clock high, shoot! Echo bellowed. Lux heard the dull thump of Jinx taking a shot at whatever Echo was directing her towards, but it hardly seemed to matter. Something was horrifyingly wrong. Her guts were twisted, her mind was scattered, and every nerve in her body was screaming at her to kill everything and everyone in a ten-mile radius and then herself. She was vaguely aware of looking up in time to see something huge and dark, like death cut from the shadows, twist out of the way of Jinx's rocket in mid-air with nauseatingly liquid agility. It was coming right for them. No, not for them. For her. When it landed, its weight shook the platform, and Lux was pulled to her feet as the shadow moved like an avatar of death. Move, Blondie, move! Ripping leather. Her head stays on this time, but only because it doesn't aim for her neck. It comes at Jinx from the side, goes right through the ribcage, right through skin, then muscle, then bone, and ruins everything in between before coming out the other side. It's not aiming for her head. Not for her head. It's not aiming for Jinx, it's aiming for... Blood and... Lux hits the ground, barking her shins across the metal, rips the mask from her face and vomits. Why? Why was she suddenly sick? Why was her stomach suddenly tied in a million knots and her heart feel like it was shattered into a thousand pieces? Her mind was spinning, tears were streaming down her cheeks as sick dribbled from her lips. Why did this keep happening? Keep happening? What was... Jinx! Four o'clock high! Shoot! The dull thump of rocket propellant rattled the platform and Lux was back up on her feet and running. Where? She had no idea. All she knew was that she had to run. She had to get away. Away from what? The threat? No, that wasn't right. Lux scoured her mind as she coughed and spat on the ground, then forced her leaden legs to move faster. She didn't know the specifics, but Lux trusted her instincts. She needed to get away because it wasn't aiming for, for Jinx's head. It's not aiming for the head. Not, not aiming for Jinx. Wham! A massive lycanthropic rage and muscle crashed into the plating in front of Lux. It was huge, even hunched over. Implanted chemtech compressors burned virulent green in its back only to boil to a fiery orange. Chemicals pumped, mixed, and catalyzed. And Warwick, the Wrath of Zaun, howled. Animal terror set Lux's brainstem on fire and she collapsed to her knees as she desperately began trying to scrabble backwards. The whole time her brain was spinning furiously. How many resets had it been? How could they beat him? Could they do it? Was it possible? Yes. This time? No. Another dull crump came from behind her, and Warwick twisted with boneless, nauseating grace, letting the rocket fly by him and turning the dodge into a scything stroke with his claws. Not fast enough. Lux knew she wasn't fast enough to get away. Jinx was fast enough, though. Echo, he's aiming for me! Lux screamed her warning as she pushed herself forward. She wasn't fast enough to get back, but she was fast enough to move up. Fast enough to get her arms around Jinx's middle just before Warwick's claws split through her. They died together that time. Twenty-two hours ago, Caitlin stepped into the harsh and spottily lit council chambers. They were different now than they had been in her youth. They had been a bit more open back then, 
Now there was armor plating reinforcing the walls and Hextech buttresses providing a shielding lens of energy. Every conceivable defense that could be added had been, and Caitlin didn't blame them in the slightest. After all, everyone knew what had happened to the last council. The click of her boots echoed through the wide open chamber as she approached the encircled council seats. None of the councillors were in them, however. In fact, only two of the seven councillors were even in attendance at all. The first was both tall, broad, and familiar in his cream waistcoat and gilded tunic, even if their friendship had grown strained over the past several years. Too many arguments and too many differences. Chase still hated the Undercity, and Caitlin didn't even necessarily think he had bad reasons for it. The fact that he kept his hammer at his side at all times, even in the assumed safety of the council chambers, said everything it needed to about what he thought. At his side was a woman, willowy and imperious. Her skin was the color of umber, and decorated with gold. What skin was left, anyway? Councillor Medarda's wounds had been grievous, and her life preserved only by dint of a charm she'd carried from her youth, as Caitlin understood it. When Jinx's rocket had struck the council tower all those years ago, the resulting explosion had reduced the two councillors nearest the window, excepting Councillor Medarda, to their constituent particles. The ones beyond that, her mother included, had died almost immediately thereafter in a conflagration of chemical fire that ignited almost all of the air in the room. Medarda, Jace, and his then-partner, Victor, had been preserved only by Medarda's quick action. Her charm, Anoxian Ring, had enveloped the three of them in a veil of protection. Unfortunately, it had not been a total success. The shield had failed at the last moment, and the whole right side of Councillor Medarda's body had been brutally scorched. Now that half of her body was encased in a beautifully ornate skin of Hextech, built by Jace Talus himself. It was pale silver gilded with gold, and Caitlin had always thought the color rather suited the counselor. Her right arm and leg had been amputated at the shoulder and hip, respectively, and replaced with advanced Hextech prostheses that had, ironically, been built by the now-criminal Victor. "'Jace,' Caitlin said quietly, her voice echoing in the near-empty room. "'Where's the rest of the council?' "'The council has voted to defer to our decisions on this matter.' Sheriff Kiriman, Councillor Medarda replied in lieu of Jace, who still stood silent, looking out through armored windows over the city with his hands clasped behind his back. Deferted. Do they think this is a game? Caitlin snapped. She could feel Vi bristling at her side. As much as she respected Jace, he had become something of a hawk of war where Zom was concerned. Man of progress indeed. No, Sheriff. They do not. Councillor Medarda replied coolly. Then why would they not convene the full council to hear the findings of the investigation? It was an act of supreme will to keep her composure, and she still spoke through a clenched jaw. Beside her, Vi's hands had curled so tightly into fists that her knuckles had popped. Because they don't really need to hear it, huh? Vi asked quietly. Caitlin tensed, and her tension only grew as the silence stretched out. I assure you, she began, that things are not so simple as you might think. And I assure you, Councillor Medarda replied flatly, that the word simple is quite far from our minds in this matter. Jace! Caitlin turns to her childhood friend. Please, I'm begging you not to act rashly. This does not have to turn to war. Really? He finally spoke, but he didn't turn. 
then by all means. He finally looked over his shoulder, fixing one tired eye on Caitlin, and there was no mercy and even less pity to be found there. Explain to me how the deaths of fifty enforcers, the destruction of a major piece of Piltoven infrastructure, and the catastrophic blow to our power grid is not a cause for war. Because the only other option was greasing your fancy cogwheels with about a thousand more gallons of Zonite blood, pretty boy. Vi stepped forward, her hackles up and shoulders set. But you already decided you didn't give a damn about that, so what does a few thousand dead, trenchy men, women, and children mean to you? It's not like they're people. That changed the atmosphere of the room considerably, and to Caitlin's surprise, the normally implacable Counselor Medarda actually showed shock while Jace turned about, wearing a deep furrow along his brow. What are you talking about? Jace asked quietly. Vi snorted. Oh, now you want to hear it? Well, fuck you, you topsider piece of garbage. And she spat on his boot. Find it, I'm begging you, Caitlin whispered. Jay stared down at the goblet of phlegm that was dribbling down his incredibly fine boots for a moment, then shook his head and looked back up at Vi. I am going to ignore that for both of our sakes, Jace replied. Yeah, I bet you are. Vi bared her teeth, but thankfully stepped back and crossed her arms as Caitlin took her place. Counselors, as you're aware, most of the default safety systems in the Piltover motorways and sewers, the majority of the latter of which run through and make up Zorn itself, are run on automatic. Jace waved it off. Obviously. It would be completely impractical otherwise. Not even Zorn has that kind of manpower to run all of those machines, to say nothing of the likelihood of human error. Precisely. So everything is run off of pressure sensors and clockwork systems, pre-hex tech and very reliable, Caitlin said. Your point, Sheriff? Counselor Madonna asked. My point, Caitlin echoed, is that the secondary and tertiary manifolds have only been used three times in Piltover's 200 and change history. And due to that, and their size, and to the lack of available space and Karen's on, those manifolds slowly became neighborhoods. The silence could have been punctured with a nail. For once, both Jace Talis and Melmadarda, whose poker faces were infamous in political circles, found themselves speechless at the implications. It was Jace who recovered first, and for the first time in a long time he looked like the honest, earnest young man that Caitlin had so admired in her youth again. How... how many? Jace asked hollowly. No one knows. Caitlin replied. Not even my contact in the Undercity was certain. The Canberrans don't exactly take census. Or if they do, they don't share it. Best guess was, between the two manifolds and the surrounding areas, some several thousand. Gods and aspects, Counselor Madonna whispered. Sheriff, Caitlin, are you trying to tell me that the reason that Jinx blew apart damn Sextus was to save lives? Chase asked, and the expression on his face told Caitlin everything she needed to know about what he thought about that. Yes, Counselor Tallis, that is exactly what I'm saying, Caitlin replied. And we're talking about the same jinx? Chase gave her an arch look. The domestic terrorist who carried out the most successful attack on any political body since the fall of Borum Darkwill. I am, yes. Why would she do that? 
Counselor Medarda asked pointedly. Convince me. Caitlin opened her mouth to reply, but her tongue failed her. What could she say? That it was love? That sounded trite even to her own ears. She was a romantic, but she wasn't stupid. Love could do many amazing things, but it could not cure madness or salve evil. It was not a panacea, for whatever Penny Romance novels had to say about the matter. Surprisingly, it was Vi who came to her rescue. What do you mean, why? Vi asked, fixing her glare on Counselor Medarda's half-metal visage. Ain't like she's done anything different. She blew up a dam for the same reason she blows up spires and the same reason she blew up the council years ago. The counselor turns to face Vi with her hands clasped behind her back. You're saying she did it for Zon? Yup. Vi popped her lips on the final letter of the word. Then that begs the question. Why now? She continued. Bringing down a dam is not simple. The AAR suggested she had confederates, which is the exact opposite of Remo over the past years which means something changed. Caitlin shot a glance at Vi, who looked significantly less sanguine about the report they'd been intending to give. At the same time, she was sheriff. She knew the truth, and her superiors were asking for a report. Would it matter, though? Would it make things worse? You know something, Jace said when the silence stretched out a moment too long. Something has changed, hasn't it? Damn him. Even with all the time and distance, he still knew how to read her. We have reason to believe that Jinx is no longer alone, Caitlin began cautiously. She has a partner, Counselor Madonna asked quizzically. Vi snorted. If you could say that. Both counselors shared an odd look, but before Caitlin could clarify Vi's remark, she saw the coin drop between them with an audible ping. You're joking, Chase said. Please tell me you're joking. You expect us to believe that Jinx is turning over a new leaf because she fell in love, Counselor Medarda said scathingly. Wow, is there something in the air, Vi said, turning to Caitlin, because I swear topsiders seem to have some kind of weird hearing problem. When she turned back to Jace and Medarda, it was with a flat, angry glower. No, Counselors! I just fucking told you, she hasn't turned over a new anything. She hasn't changed. She's still doing the same thing she was always doing. The only difference, a voice with a cold, mechanical timbre interjected, is that now she is doing so with focus. Vi and Caitlin both turned sharply. Caitlin went for her empty back holster by reflex, and Vi's fists came up with a rapid snap of motion. They were in position with the fluid ease of practice, with Caitlin quickly moving behind Vi while Vi presented the broadest target she could, and from the pitch-black edges of the council chambers a shadow of silk and steel moved casually into the light. She was tall and narrow, thin as a polished blade and just as warm. Hair the color of frosted steel was swept back around a face that was so smooth it seemed unreal. Her eyes were clearly Hextech, sharp and artificially blue. Every move she made was accompanied by the faint click of metal on metal, unsurprising since everything below her ribcage, and Caitlin suspected a great deal above it, was pure Hextech augmentation. Wide clockwork hips had a lascivious sway to them, made clinical and cold by the mechanical, metronome ticking of her joints as she moved past the pair of them with barely an acknowledging flick of her false eyes. Camille, 
Vi said her name with the same cadence that Caitlin heard her use when she was cursing in Gutlau, and more specifically when she said a word that Vi had once loosely translated as someone who copulates with a greased pipe. She did not use the word copulate at the time. Mrs. and Mrs. Kiriman, Camille replied casually. I sluiced down Caitlin's spine as she turned back to Jace, who looked singularly unsurprised that Camille was there. He was looking a bit green around the gills, though. Jace, Talis, what have you done? Caitlin hissed. Nothing, Camille answered for him. Yet I was waiting to hear your report, and now that I have, I understand the course that must be taken. Stay out of this, Vi hissed as she squared up. Vi was unarmed, as was Caitlin while Camille's entire body was a weapon. Still, Caitlin had no doubt that Vi would act rashly if it came to Camille's mechanical sense of duty and what she felt was right. In truth, Caitlin hated Camille. To her, the woman was everything that was wrong with Piltover collapsed into a single, awful effigy of metal perfection. "'Lady Ferris, things have changed,' Chase said quietly. "'Of course they have, my boy,' Camille replied with a sickening lilt of civility. But they are easily within correctable parameters. Fuck your parameters, Vi turned on her, her jaw cutting a belligerent angle as she glared up at Camille. Jinx saved thousands of lives. You're just upset because they weren't pilty. Camille paused, then slowly turned back to face Vi. Her height notwithstanding, there was something deeply unsettling about Camille Ferris. Caitlin had been trying for years to establish exactly what it was she did beyond her scope as an intelligencer for the Council— the broad strokes were obvious, but the specifics were what Caitlin was interested in. What she did know was that when Camille fixed her eyes on anything, or any one, Caitlin always had the ugly impression that she was dissecting them in her mind. I do not care that Jinx saved Zornite lives, she said quietly. I care that the balance of Piltover and Zorn has been disrupted. Jinx has her function within the machine, as do you, and your wife and the council, and even myself. She leaned in, and Vi took a reflexive step back. The way her body moved was oddly disquieting. Tell me, Violet, when you see Jinx, do you see chaos? What? I... kinda? Jinx is not chaos. She is an animal, Camille continued. Just an animal. She hunts. She eats. She sleeps. Then she repeats the process. And progress continues regardless. That is not chaos. That is order at its most basic. Chaos is whatever is changing her behavior. She turned to Caitlin, stepping away from Vi until she was looming, and her false blue eyes fixed on Caitlin's with that flaying regard. You said Jinx has fallen in love. But what interests me is the consequence of that entanglement. Camille idly tapped one mechanical finger against the bright blue gem at her throat. Before, her actions were spur-of-the-moment snatchers of violence against Piltover. A hungry predator gorging itself on destruction. Now she acts with purpose. And? Caitlin said quietly. This is not your concern, Camille. I beg to differ, Mrs. Kiriman. Because the last time Jinx acted with true purpose, it permanently changed the balance of power between Piltover and Zon. What are you saying? Jace asked, stepping between her and Camille. 
I'm saying that for one reason or another, Jinx has stopped being an animal, and has remembered something that Piltover cannot afford for her to remember, Camille replied without looking away. And what is that? Counselor Madonna asked. Camille stepped away from Caitlin and took her suffocating presence with her, and Caitlin dragged in a ragged breath as Camille clicked fluidly over to the window that Jace had been staring out of when they had come in. My concern is that Jinx is remembering why she started fighting to begin with, Camille said. My concern is that she is remembering that she is her father's daughter. Be real careful with what you say next, lady, Fire said with a voice that held no tone that Caitlin could readily identify. Camille shook her head, then said, Tell me, how close do you think they are? Who? Caitlin asked. Jinx and her Panama. At that last word she turned, but she didn't look at Caitlin. She looked at Vi. It took Caitlin a moment to realize that it was because Vi, for all of her many virtues, had no poker face to speak of, but it was a moment too long. A faint smile made a curve of Camille's two still lips. That close, hm? Gritlock, by Zornite tradition, yes, or... Oh, that expression would be a yes. Camille turned with a sickening clockwork ratcheting of gears, wearing a self-satisfied smile that Caitlin very much would have liked to knock off of her face. You leave my sister to me, Camille, Vi said. My intentions only tangentially involve your sister, Violet, Camille replied. Chase, for the love of all the gods, please do not go this route. Caitlin said, pleading to her friend that she prayed was still in there, buried under all the anger. Please! What do you want me to say, Kate? Chase bit out. That what Jinx did was right? It doesn't matter. It never mattered. He drew himself to his full height and planted his hammer hilt down on the chamber floor. Zahn struck Piltover. And the people freezing in the northern districts don't give a damn why. To make them understand, Caitlin begged before turning to Camille. And you, I never liked you, and I never will, but I'm begging you to show me an ounce of humanity. We cannot go to war with Zon. Oh, dear child, I agree, Camille said softly, turning to face her. War is a final action, and a war with Zon would be disastrous. I am not so foolish as to destroy a machine simply because it has briefly ceased to operate perfectly. I'm trying to fix it, and I will do so by removing the element of chaos first. Remove the— Caitlin echoed, and her jaw dropped. You're going to kill Jinx's wife. No, Camille replied. Zon is going to kill Jinx's wife, because Zon is a dog-eat-dog city, and I'm merely intending to introduce a larger dog. From the corner of her eye. Caitlin watched the blood drain from Vi's face, while Camille's smile could have frozen the heart of a star. My thanks for the accuracy and efficacy of the report, Sheriff. Your due diligence is to be commended, she said. I bid you all good evening. I have to see a man about a collar. She watched Camille leave and licked dry lips before she turned back to Jace, who at least had the good grace to look ashamed of himself. This is a mistake, Caitlin whispered. This is necessary, Counselor Medarda said finally. If she succeeds, then things will settle. No, 
Thought countered hollowly. If she succeeds, then Piltover's gonna burn. The text of this story is available on AO3. Music by Dot Matrix. If you would like me to record a story, voice over a character, get in touch using the contact information available on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as a link to my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.